going to be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 3. Really thankful for the... Am I on? You're not hearing me? I'm on. Are we on? Everybody hear me okay? Okay. Thank for all for all the men who stepped up here and, and uh, spoken the word of God and, and shared some of their circumstances. And uh, you know, they just keep on keeping on. The focus on the prize. And you know, it is with or through perseverance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we have hope and so thankful for what they have done let's read first peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 peter says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And so, the title I've been given is uh, Born Again to a living hope and those who know me know I like to uh, define uh, some terms and uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what it is to be born again and uh, uh, but we're going to look at a couple words and I'm really amazed that we have got this far and nobody has defined what hope is I mean, how did we do that? I'm glad everybody knows what hope is. So, we're going to look at the word living. Now, the word living in the Greek is a pretty broad term. And if you were to look it up, then it, you know, there's alive, living, live. But the Thayers, does anybody besides me use the Thayers? Thayers, uh, Greek concordance really good about uh, defining the word in that particular verse and so this word is not only used here but it's also used in two two other verses the way it is used but it is defined having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. And so, like I said, it's, uh, uh, this 
meaning of this word living is used in two, two other passages. 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. Used there. Also, Hebrews 4, 12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so the word of God has power in itself. You know, God said, is not my word a fire? And it is not a hammer? I mean, it's a, it's a punch. You know, but, you know, it's got a lot of power in itself, and it is able to exert uh, power to, uh, to us. You know, power to give us life uh, along with the Holy Spirit and help transform us into the image of Christ. It's got that power. Now, find hope. Hope simply means confident expectation. You know, it's not like, oh, I hope so. It is confident expectation. You know, we have the hope of eternal life. We have confident expectation of eternal life. And so, hope has vital power in itself and exerts the same upon the soul. So, hope gives the Christian power to press on, to persevere, to be steadfast and immovable. You know, to focus on the work of the Lord, knowing that our toil is not in vain in the Lord. You know, we as Christians, you know, did that uh, we have been made alive, having been raised up with Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly places, and you know that we have. Uh, inheritance in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been given as a down payment, a down payment of that which is to come. And so we are practically, you know, one foot in. I mean, we are so close that you could probably taste it. I mean, it's just right there. We have an expectation. You know, unfortunately, there is an expectation of those who are outside of Christ Jesus. There is. Let's go to Luke chapter 21. chapter 21 and we're going to start in verse 25. <laughs> Luke 21 starting in verse 25. There will be signs and sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and of the waves. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Let's also go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to pick it up in verse 26. Hebrews chapter 10, starting verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of the fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know of him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So those who are outside, what is said that those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. There is a terrifying expectation. Those who continue to sin willfully. You know, I, I work with a congregation that has a lot of uh, denominational people mixed in there. And uh, the last couple of weeks I, our three weeks, actually, three weeks ago, it started in on uh, uh, lessons on repentance and repentance from dead works. And when you're used to thinking that uh, one day is always saved, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough, those lessons. And we think they're under the impression that, uh, you know, Pretty much that they're saved so that they continue that they can continue to go on sinning. That's what grace is for, right? That's what people think. Where people are at. But there is an expectation for those folks. You cannot go on willfully sinning and expect a reward. Certainly not a good one. There is an expectation, a terrifying expectation for them. Now those who have an expectation of eternal life and those who have an expectation of eternal punishment live in a way that reflects their expectation. The way you live reflects your expectation. Remember years ago, I was working at uh, Marathon Coach, and uh, this guy uh, worked with him for years. But uh, it was probably near the beginning of the time when we were working together. Uh, he knew I was a Christian, and he came up and he, you know, he, he came up and he goes, "So, you going to heaven?" I said, "Well, that's my hope." And I sprung it right back at him. Are you? 
Well, I know I have to change, and I kind of like the way I'm living right now, so probably not. You know, there is an expectation of how you live. We reflect our expectation of where we're, uh, where our hope lies, and so. We live in such a way to, re, to reflect our hope, our hope of eternal life. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Probably already in Hebrews, so probably only a page over. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, coming right off the heels of uh, uh, chapter 10, in verse 34 and 35, it says, uh, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the teacher of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Do not throw away your confidence. Now, faith is, in 11.1, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction Things not seen. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Stephen uh, mentioned faith and hope go together. Do you believe you have hope? Of course. They go together. Faith is the assurance. Confidence. That's what it means. Assurance, your confidence of things hoped for. And then it says, uh, uh, the conviction of things not seen. The word conviction can be uh, evidence or proof of things not seen. <clears throat> we hope that which, or, yeah, we hope for that which is unseen. And so, is there evidence, is there proof in your life that you have hope? You're going to reflect what your expectation is. Your life is going to reflect what your expectation is. And so, do we have that expectation of unseen reward? And is it evident? Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And we're going to read verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Let's also go over to uh, chapter 21. <laughs> Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2. Well, let's read 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, uh, from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. The bride of Christ has made herself ready. She has adorned herself for her husband. That word adorned. I remember going years ago, uh, uh, lessons on uh, uh, husbands and wives, but uh, uh, so I remember this, this passage. But the, the word adorned there is uh, cosmeo in the Greek. You can kind of guess what that word means. Cosmetic. We get we have the English word cosmetic, and so. Uh, you think of the bride who made herself ready, you know, decked herself out. She's made herself look good for her husband. And I can remember January 19, 1993. I'm sure Melissa knows that date. <laughs> I hope she does. <laughs> Invited her over to my apartment for dinner and uh, whipped up a batch of chili. That was stirring the pot of chili. I took out the ring. I asked her to marry me. Well, she did say yes. <laughs> but, you know, she was pretty excited. And she had to call everybody, so she got on my phone. Now, this is back landline. <laughs> landline, and when, you know, it actually cost a lot of money to do long-distance calls. <laughs> so, she proceeded to rack up my phone bill. <laughs> and she did it for a long time. She knows a lot of people. She has a large family and she has a lot of friends. And so, yeah, across the country. Pretty excited, letting everybody know. But, uh, you know, we started talking about preparing for the wedding. A lot of planning. You know, getting invitations, sending out invitations. To all those who we were inviting. Picking out her dress. Picking out flowers. Colors. Colors for weddings. But a lot of planning and preparation goes in. And we get to the day of the wedding. And I know she was in with the mother ladies and she was starting to make herself look good. You know, and I'm sure she was looking into the mirror, checking how, how good she looked. Putting on the makeup, Cosmeo. Getting her hair done all nice and pretty. Checking again. 
in the mirror. Sure, she looks pretty good. And then I got this here. It was kind of nice. Uh, we chose to do our pictures before the wedding. So, you know, after she got done, all made up, I got to see her by myself before the wedding. She looked good. <laughs> we, the bride, who have hope, are we making ourselves ready? Are we preparing ourselves for our husband? Are we making ourselves look good? You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you know, the husband is concerned about how he may please his wife. And the wife is concerned about how she may please her husband. Are you concerned about how you please your husband? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that should be our concern. Our only concern from here on out. How we may please our husband. And when you have hope of eternal life, there's there's anticipation. There's excitement. You're, you're looking for towards that wedding day. Getting ready for something really special. About a year ago, this month, sister in Christ out in uh, Alvador, lady that I really love and adore, she passed away, went home to be with her Lord. And this one lady, she was really special to me. And I would go see her, she was shut in. Um, my wife knew her from years past. Uh, she was a really good friend of my mother-in-law, uh, one of the best friends. And uh, uh, she knew Sharon, and uh, uh, but Sharon, when I got to see her, she was pretty much uh, homebound. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what disease she had, but it was the disease of the, the lung, and it, it affected her breathing really bad, and then also uh, um, she had problems with eating. She couldn't get food down. And so she was really thin. So you can imagine, she's six feet tall. She's a very tall lady. She was so thin, so thin. I mean, I remember uh, seeing her leg one time, and her knees were whiter than her legs. Her knee joints were whiter than her legs. And so she was not doing very well, but she was such a neat visit. And she just loved the Lord. And uh, she just, I mean, she wanted to serve him as much as she could. And so there would be a, uh, one of the gals would go over and, and they would write encouraging cards to send out to people. And the, her uh, help, you know, she would 
Sharon would pick out the card and then uh, uh, she would ask the, the gal to write down exactly what she she wanted on uh, on the card and then it would, she would have them sent out. And you know, she always wanted to know how people were doing so that she could pray for them. She was a great prayer warrior. And, uh, you know, she, amazing woman, very good attitude, you know, for someone in her condition. And, you know, I can remember she was such an encourager. I go over there and I'm trying to encourage her and she's, she's encouraging me. You know, she's wearing all this, you know, the oxygen thing and she's, you know, she's encouraging me. I can remember, <laughs> I was telling her about some gal who was, who was sick and she's like, oh, let me get a card. And she, she gave me the card, placed it down in front of me. She goes, you write. <laughs> you write exactly what I tell you. And you write good. <laughs> so I just write down exactly what she said. And, uh, but she was such a great encourager. And I remember it was about five days before she passed. I went and saw her. And I didn't know she had five days before she passed, but she was now in her bed. And, you know, I went in there and her met her husband and he took me back into the bedroom and and she was happy to see me and so she she's laying in the bed and she said come sit right next to me so I go and I sit on the bed and we're having a chat and she's like you know I've been talking to God and and I'm okay if he takes me I'm, I'm more than okay if he takes me. But, you know, not, I want to be able to serve, and I told him, you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, be better physically so I can serve all the more. And that was her attitude. She wanted to either serve all the more or better to be home with the Lord. She also, I think it was probably a day or two, she had her, her family were there and she brought in her, her uh, grandchildren. She had each of them come in. She talked to them, each one of them. You promised me that you learn about Jesus. You promised. She made them all promise. Bill had known the garden, or Greg Garden, their dad, and he uh, set up a study with them, and so all of them are studying with them, learning about Jesus. That's the kind of woman she was. She loved her husband. And she wanted to look good for him. And she wanted to be prepared 
Oshinir. Meren. Always said after that, I want to be like Sharon when I grow up. I want to be ready and prepared like her. We have a hope in Christ for eternal life. We will live in a way that reflects that hope. We will, no matter the circumstance. First Peter 3.15 says, By sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense of the hope that lies or to everyone who asks to give you an account for the hope that lies in you yet with gentleness and reverence. Be ready to make a defense or an answer of the hope that lies within you. We live in a hopeless world. People are looking for hope. They are. And I find myself, you know, encouraging the saints to stay focused on the prize. That's right. Because it is challenging times. It is a hopeless time. We need to stay focused on the prize. You should always be ready to joyfully share the good news of hope of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure. Well, we should be conforming ourselves to the image of Christ Jesus. Getting ourselves ready. If you have that hope, you should be doing that. Making yourself look good. Putting on that cosmail. You gotta look pretty for Jesus. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Be doing something for the Lord. There is lots to do. Be about the Lord's business. <laughs> Back to 1 Peter, chapter 3, or chapter 1, excuse me. 1 Peter, chapter 1. <coughs> Again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Remember last year? 
wish I had my prop with me. Jump for joy! What it means. In this you jump for joy even though for now, for a little while if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, and glory, and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now but believe in him, you jump for joy, with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. What should our attitude be? I think the thing is dumb. Yesterday, maybe? On our way to heaven, shouting, Victory! We should be rejoicing. We got one foot in. We taste it. We're so close. Fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Great God in heaven, we are so thankful that we have been born again to a living hope. Father, what a great blessing that is. Something to look forward to. You know, there's nothing in this life worth hanging on to. Fathers, we're just so thankful that you have given us a great inheritance. Look forward to that day, a new heaven, a new earth, in which righteousness dwells, be no sorrow, pain. Father, how are you thankful? We have something to look forward to. Eternity with Jesus, our husband, the one who gave his life and made it possible for us to be born again. Father God, we just pray that we would be those who would fix our fix our hope completely on him. Father, that we would be at the bride of Christ, preparing ourselves, getting ready for that great day. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in these things, in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Hey, I'm rewriting my sermon tonight because uh, Kirk just preached my sermon. So, take good note. I'll need more coffee in the morning. That was a great job, by the way. It was awesome. You know, we need to be done with lesser things, the song says. And anything in this world is a lesser thing. Amen? You know, we need to be, as he was saying, so devoted to our wives, to our husbands. But the reality is, couples need to be in sync with one another giving all things up to work together as one to serve the Lord, to draw the children in. You see, we, don't, we want the children to be in step with us as well. 
And just like what you're sharing, to be pleasing to him in every respect. The privilege of now being related through marriage to Steve and his lovely bride has been fantastic. You know what's really awesome? Is that when we were talking at the, the wedding, it's awesome to see how the things that Sharon and I were doing together for our sons, so they were doing together for their children. And now we have this beautiful young man and a beautiful young woman now serving the Lord. See, there's power in that because I know they made sacrifices of so much of this world to what? To advance the kingdom. As we have. As many of us have. But now it's time to do done with lesser things. Amen? So we can be pleasing to Him in every respect and we'll stay the course not being pulled away by the things of this world. Amen? Amen. All right.